Hello and welcome back to the Wake Up Digital Marketing Podcast with me, Hermione. I have a great episode for you today. I'm joined by Jess from the No Agency Method and we're chatting about all things PR and how you can get started doing your own PR for your business. As someone who's always worked more on the marketing side of things, I've learned so much from Jess's expertise in this episode and I'm sure you're going to really enjoy it. And before we get started with the episode, just a little reminder to please rate and subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. It gives a massive help to boost it. And if you want to keep in touch with all things Wake Up Digital in the meantime, you can sign up for our brand new bi-weekly newsletter on the website, which is www.wakeupdigital.co. And now let's get on to this amazing episode. PR, I think, is something that's super scary for people who don't know that world. And the way that you were communicating about it was really unique to me and very, that's really why I got in touch. To get started, I'd love if you could tell a a little bit about your background and also kind of what brought you to starting the No Agency Method. Of course. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. Very honoured, very flattered. I guess what brings me to this point? I started my career in advertising. I worked in advertising for like eight years um, and I fell out of love with the industry and I was really looking for a way out. I actually thought that that way out might be entrepreneurship and starting my own thing. So I, I dabbled in consulting for a small startup and you know, learning on the ground of what it's like to work in, I wanted to start a food brand, what it's like to work in a food brand. And I realized that it really isn't for me. So I started looking for something with a bit of purpose behind it because that's what was bothering me when I was in advertising. I was very lucky to get a job at Karma. So Karma was a Swedish-founded, or they're still around, (laughs) Swedish-founded food waste app. Um, I started working there at the beginning of 2019. I originally joined in like a marketing role looking after the UK market. And after five months, there was like a change internally the founder of the business basically pitched to me, would you like to be head of comms? Like, do you want to look after PR? And I was like, whoa, I don't know how to do PR. If we do this, we have to both be okay that I'm taking this risk. You know, this could really go bad. Uh, It was terrifying for me, to be honest, but I really thrive when I'm learning. And I also really thrive when I'm uncomfortable. I've learned after like, you know, working in a startup. I then spent the next year throwing myself into like, how to do PR, <laughs> how to make it happen. And, and it went very well. And I only left Karma because I left to start another business. Uh, and it isn't no agency method. So I left Karma in March of this year to um, move into healthcare to start a business with a co-founder of mine. And the no agency method started because there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy in healthcare. And I realized that there was going to be a far greater delay due to COVID than I expected. And so I had a bit of time and I don't, I don't thrive in a planning, in this planning stage where you don't have real things to deal with. So I I was inspired, talked to a few people about it, you know, pitched it to see if it might work live with um, the coffee club. And then I just launched it. Or really, I told people I was doing it, and then I was on the hook and I had to do it. That's how the no agency method kind of came to life. It was like born out of this time I had due to bureaucracy. Very random, but it's been a lot of fun. 
That's really, it's really funny. It's always that balance between like, do you tell people about it and then you have to do it? Or do you do it first and then tell people? It's always like. Yeah, I'm, I'm a advocate for tell people you're going to do it. And then you're on the hook because if I hadn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I definitely wouldn't have done it. And I also kind of committed to like a certain timeline when I was teaching um, the very first kind of live cohort, which I was very excited about because it sold out quite quickly. I, I had to like build the content as I was going because I, I was, it was so early in my kind of ideation. Um, but it's, it's solid now. And I, I played like good catch up and I'm very proud of it, but I, I'm a big advocate for like, putting your neck out there and telling people you're going to do something because it's almost like you have to save face then. As, as, as someone who's worked in marketing, the thought to be thrown into kind of a head of comms role is quite, oh gosh, okay, that's quite a different world. And um, when you took on that role, what were some of the first things that you, you did? In terms of educating myself, I really started with looking into both my network and the network of my colleagues and understanding who could I have a coffee with or a call with that would help me feel more comfortable in this space because I had to understand what I didn't know and be willing to kind of embrace learning constantly. Uh, And I, I, I genuinely threw like everything at this. Like I, did so much networking. I took every free coffee that I could. I was like constantly on the call, like on calls with people. I would, um, you know, start thinking about, okay, I wanted to look into this tool or that tool. And I'd ask people and I'd see if I can find someone who was using it. You know, we were looking into um, doing a bit of uh, paid influencer stuff with YouTube so that I'd find like someone who I knew was a YouTube expert. And, you know, like I had... Um, ex-colleagues from back in the day who are now MDs of agencies. So then I was on the phone with them and I, I just opened my eyes to who could help educate me in the moment. Um, I also was really open about being naive in the space and that I was like looking for these answers. And so I would take calls and even like pitches and things like that because I wanted to keep myself flexible for what I could learn. I probably spent too long in that like unstable learning space before going into a bit of like strategizing and then doing it. And it was the doing it part that was the obviously the most difficult to jump over that hurdle and realize that if I don't try, I can't fail. Then you you kind of clam yourself up and you don't even start. So I, I just had to start. What was helpful was there were future deadlines and things that I knew I was pitching. So it meant that there was a, a path for me to follow and, and logical step. And all of the things that I teach are things that I had to learn and I had to do. The reason that I'm, I think that I'm able to teach and people who do the method get results is because it worked for me. It's kind of like tried and tested. I'm not trying to peddle some kind of method that used to work a decade ago, but this is something that happened and was working this time last year. It's no wonder it resonates with people. It's really interesting what you're saying about that thing of being in the learning space and then throwing yourself to take that next 
that next step into the actual doing because that can be so scary when you when you think okay this is the first time I've done it like what's going to happen but it's I suppose it's something that you you'll be able to now apply to kind of all future projects as well oh yeah I mean the thing that I learned the most in working in the startup space but also like at a, a a great company like Karma is you have to stay flexible if you're not flexible you're you're not coachable you're not gonna kind of like move with the crazy changing tides of your business and then secondly basically there's nothing that you can't learn you're just in a scenario where okay maybe i can't learn to do brain surgery but can i learn to do pr of course like it it changed that for me and it it actually gave me the confidence to realize uh i can definitely do my own thing. I can start my own business. Being able to get over that um, fear, which I think is quite common outside of the startup world, where people are constantly in like an iteration or a trial and error mode. If you're in more of a traditional industry or traditional um, SME or, or the way that your business is run, it's it's easier to be in that comfort zone. I mean, I suppose there could have been a time, a, a moment where you might have said, like, no, I'm a marketer. I don't do this. This isn't what I do. And then think of everything you would have closed yourself off to. And so in terms of the no agency method and what you offer, why is it PR is so important for businesses today? Sometimes I think it gets less of a focus than it should. And I think it's really easy to leave PR off or forget about it because why spend all that money, I think, is is the worry that people have. Because the assumption is that you have to outsource it, that it's some kind of impossible jungle that without a little black book or without, um, you know, all of the, the money or the contacts or the knowledge, you won't get in to the newspaper, right? But really, you're blocking yourself from the opportunity to get free coverage like it's it's free you're never paying to be there um unless you're actually doing an advertorial or something which is really just advertising what you're doing is building your reputation in a positive way you're getting this third party validation from the media from a journalist from maybe like quite a lot of journalists have their own platform too where they're quite well known in their own personalities you're getting this validation that what you're doing is important and that is priceless because you know, one mention could blow your online store up, but at the same time, it, you never know if that's going to happen. One mention might just make someone remember you and then they've got to see you six more times and then buy from you. It's kind of like that whole, you know, like the whole like magic rule of seven of like someone having to have these seven touch points of you. Why make all of those a Facebook ad? Why? You know, like I think that you're cutting yourself off to the more natural way that people like to discover you that's interesting I think it's because as well it's um as you say not paid there may be an element of more more trust in the article oh definitely definitely I always talk about how advertising or seeing your brand on um side of a bus or something right and that's going to cost you thousands to secure like five figure minimum to secure. And that is you telling the person walking down the street, telling your potential customer, buy this product, buy this product, buy from us. But 
if you get coverage in a magazine uh, or a newspaper, um, and even to some respects, like nowadays, online editorial, what you're doing instead of shouting buy this into the void of like, who cares? It's just another ad. You're creating the scenario where that journalist or that media publication is telling its readers, this is important, you know? And that's like, that is so crucial to remember the difference between. Yeah, that's, that's really true. And I think um, it just reminds me of like a, something I worked on a, a couple of years ago where it was a long campaign. We were trying to get coverage and we got some online coverage in the Daily Mail. But this was after like six months. And we were, but that one thing, it was like the more traffic than we've ever seen for that business ever. It couldn't have been achieved by advertising with the budget we had. There are so many people reading this stuff that if you get it right and you can tune your pitch and you can speak to the right people and, you know, it does take work. It's not going to happen overnight, but you'll unlock so much. And it, it creates a like stampede effect where, you know, get one, get them all because you're in a scenario where you raise your kudos. You're more Googleable, right? Your SEO is improved. Everything changes. 100%. And I think it kind of t- brings on to one of the other things I wanted to talk about, which is around the measurability, because an objection that I've often heard to PR is it's hard to measure. Um do you what do you kind of say if you hear that i get it it's fluffy i understand it's very similar to the likes of brand marketing because you're in a scenario where you're looking at the brand awareness brand loyalty building the brand making people like making people know who you are in order for you to be worthy and important of their attention right but We work in an age now where data is so important. Everybody wants to know numbers and they want to know by the ROI and all the other snazzy acronyms. Um, So I always tell people that there's several ways that you can do this. If you want a cold, hard number, you can always look at the circulation or the, you know, the website reach of a certain publication to understand, okay, we can't say for sure if they're looking at this exact article, if they're all going to read the thing that you're featured in, but in a month, you know, 20 million people read this page or read this publication. That's a good starting point because you can get an idea of the scale of something because obviously that's a very big number and there are some online publications where they're going to be reaching far, far less. And then you might then think about who you want to target and why. And if you're a very niche brand, maybe you don't need to be in the really giant one because you can't fulfill that kind of order. Who knows? But Um, There are ways to take it one step further or be a little bit more like data nerd. If you look at, say, a moment, like you mentioned, when you appeared in the Daily Mail and then you had this insane spike of traffic, if you start looking at the days and the times when you get featured and you look at your website traffic or your app installs or whatever metric you usually track and you understand if there's any correlation, then you can directly attribute it, especially if you're looking at things like website views that are from unknown or organic. So someone's just heard of you and gone to Google you, right? You also can set up specific links if you are in a friendly enough scenario where your link can be tra- like um, trackable when you uh, secure something, but it's very unlikely that that happens. So 
those are the sort of things that you can do in terms of measuring, but never going to be as close to it as you would something that is fully paid, like a Facebook ad. It's like a awareness thing of we know this is worth it because we know what it can do to strengthen the brand. It's the same. I mean, there are brand managers in so many businesses and they all operate in this kind of fluffy space, but they all have a worthy job, I believe. So it's about kind of thinking about what you're doing and what you're strengthening long term rather than just being blind only to numbers. I think that's really important because I think now obviously we have so much data that we can use and that's that's a very positive thing. But there's also things that as you've mentioned, that you can achieve with PR and brand marketing is a great example as well. Just because they can't be directly attributed, it doesn't mean they're they're not important, but it's hard sometimes to get everyone to see the big picture, shall we say. No, I agree. I think like the, the best thing in these scenarios is for, you know, the growth team, the data team, the marketing team to be like a a close cross-functional unit so that people understand and value each element of it. Because if you're, I'm always telling people that PR is a company-wide effort. You've all got to care. You've all got to be in it and willing because at the end of the day, every single employee is essentially a brand ambassador of what you do and who you are. And if people aren't on board, then you've got such a difficult like job to do yeah definitely um that's that's a very good point and that could even come into things where if you needed somebody from a certain team to provide commentary or I don't know it could be a a mix of things exactly like data is great for PR because cold hard numbers everybody loves that especially if you can like prove or disprove or say something about the lifestyle of the nation um it, it always does really well and how are you going to do that if you're not on friendly terms with the, the team managing the data, right? This kind of keeping it across the company is something that I hadn't really thought about, but I think it's really important. And one of the things that I really liked about the no agency method is the kind of the way you kind of democratize PR and suggest that, you know, everyone can do their own if they want to. Um, and what are some of the advantages that you think there are of doing your own PR? I'm really passionate about showing, you know, founders or small businesses or startups that taking control of their PR in-house is, you know, number one, possible, but secondly, really, really powerful because you're showing your in your in-house talent that they already have all the knowledge because they do and giving them the opportunity to educate themselves or move them in the right direction so that you own these relationships long term. The problem with um, short-term kind of PR projects or shorter retainers are it, it's like a start-stop. And that's I find that like a really tricky scenario because you never want to start and stop on your brand. You know, you never want to be like, we know, everyone knows who we are. Okay, we're going to go away for six months. Everyone knows who we are. And then we go away for six months. Like that that's so counterintuitive. You've got to think about your like always on approach for these things. I think, um, I also think that, you know, the founders of businesses, the marketing teams of businesses, they are already the experts, you know, they already have all of the knowledge that they need. It's just a case of feeling empowered enough to go out and speak to the media. Um, which for me is just like, learn how to do it. Um, and, 
learn how to do it so that if you do outsource it, you know how to brief an agency and to be like impressed with the work they do rather than maybe annoyed that they're not delivering. Yeah, I think that's that's actually really good as well because even if you if you've done it, it's like anything, right? Once you've done a little bit yourself, then you have so much more to give when you're when you've got someone else working on it for you or with you. I mean, if I was um, if I was going to hire someone to do something for me, I'd like to know a little bit about what that thing is. So I'm not getting bamboozled, you know, so I'm not in a scenario where I feel like I'm being kept at arm's length because I can't, I don't get it. Um, And I think that there's sadly a lot of that happening and not just in PR, you know, people are hiring um, to fill gaps because they don't know how to do stuff. And that's extremely common because we can't do it all. But the more that you can equip yourself to do or at least understand the basics of things, the more powerful the relationships are when you do pay for them, because you'll understand the limitations of your request. You'll understand if you can actually hit the goals that you want to aspire to, you know? It can go, it's interesting because it can go both ways, right? Like if someone's doing something for you, if you understand, then you can work better. And then the same way, if you're doing something for somebody else, if you can give them empower them with knowledge it's going to make that relationship work better in the exact same way I'm always telling people that you know just because you have the money to pay for a PR agency does not mean that your work stops like managing a PR agency is also a job and giving them the material that they need in order to make sure that they can do their job it also takes time it's really There is no, like, when you outsource anything, there's no scenario where you just tell someone how to do the thing or whatever you want to do, and then you just walk away and hand over your thousands of pounds. That's not a thing. Be part of it as deep as you can, in my opinion. I actually really like, I really like that because it, it makes me think that, you know, like, getting knowledge or doing some sort of like education on whatever it is, PR or anything, is always going to be beneficial, whether you're doing it or managing it. So pretty pretty important so in terms of um if you were going to give a couple of like quick tips to people who are trying to start their PR on their own is there anything specific that you kind of say to them um the number one tip that I would give anybody looking to get their PR started would specifically be about getting your research right so the more the more you put into preparing for what you would like to achieve, the more likely you will succeed. So it's really powerful. It's going to get you going in the right direction. And if you know your target media inside out, so say you want to be in stylist, who do you want to write about you? What do they normally write about? Is there any kind of article that they're writing that could have been you? Is there a style that they're writing in? Is there a um, trend of the kind of brands that they're talking about. Try to find your in through the way that they are already operating because they're not going to change that, you know? And I think that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a skill that can be used in actually a lot of different business areas, right? Like when you're approaching somebody, you need to have informed yourself about what they do and why you can't cold email without having done your research. Yeah. And you would be surprised how much cold emailing is happening. Like people still think that, 
you know, getting a giant media database and just sending a press release out at random is PR. I mean, please stop doing that, basically. (laughs) So just in terms of any tools that you'd recommend for people, is there anything that you think would be particularly useful? To be honest, I think that the most important thing for you to do is find an organization system that makes you feel like you're on top of who you've spoken to and when you've spoken to them and how and like how you're organizing your own lists and databases. So for me, like Google Slides, Google Docs and Google Sheets, I think are really the most powerful tool that you should be using. Um, There are a bunch of other things that I suggest that I talk about in the method, but to keep it like to basics, you have to stay organized. I love that you've said that because I asked this question to quite a lot of people that I talk to and you're definitely not the first to have said like Google Docs and organization. So so just um, quickly like to, to end, I know that you've, um, you've got a lot on with no agency method and you also run a healthcare uh, business. So would you be able to share a little bit about the healthcare business that you, you're, you're uh, working on? Uh, sure. So it's, it's very new. It's early stages. We're working on um, the registration part of the business at the moment, but it's essentially in adult social care. So care in the community. And it's, it's really exciting, very different for me, but I have a co-founder who's a genius in this space. And I'm really excited about the opportunity to help more people. That's, um, that's amazing. And I can imagine I can imagine this year that that's only going to become more important. Uh, I feel like there'll be a lot of people needing those kind of things. I think that the one thing that's on our side this year, because there's a lot of things that are very difficult about starting a business um, in the pandemic, but at least people know what care is now. I think if I had done this and we weren't in a scenario like we are now, it would have had to do a little bit more explaining what I'm having conversations with new people and um in terms of the no agency method have you got anything kind of planned for the near future so i'm currently scheming uh for 2021 and just generally where i'd like to take the business nothing i can share just yet but i'm i'm really excited about it i mean in four months i've basically managed to get 80 people through the method, which I think is just mind blowing. So I'm, I'm inching towards a hundred as fast as I can. Really. That's my, that's my little goal. That's amazing. Yeah. hundred for 2020. (laughs) We've only got a few weeks left. (laughs) That's really cool. And um, for people who want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way? So feel free to connect with me. I'm at No Agency Method on Instagram. Um, I'm also Jessica Barlow on LinkedIn. Uh, DM me on either, really. Otherwise, you can always email me, jessica at noagencymethod.com. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This has been super eye-opening to me because PR is a bit of a, a different world for me. So it's definitely given some food for thought and I'm sure it'll be really helpful for everyone listening. So thank you. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure.